Wolfpack Nation, this is Scott Wood with Scott Wood's One Man Wolfpack. We have a very, very special podcast today. It's our first one coming back since the season had ended last year. I was thinking about the best person I could possibly bring on, and a lot has happened since the basketball season has ended. So uh, the, the only person I could bring on is the biggest NC State fan there is. He also happens to be the coach of NC State baseball. He's been there for 25 years, over 900 wins. Uh, I tell him every time I see him, he is uh, hands down the best coach I've never had. Uh, I'd like to welcome Coach Elliot Avent. Hello, Scott Wood. How you What's doing? What's up, man? How you doing? I can't complain. I can't complain. I will say uh, I'm going to have to start a, uh, a list of people that have struggled with technology. You may not be ahead of Coach Tao, but we, we, have, we eventually got you on. We had to figure some things out, but I'm glad so you, you were able to get Mon- on. Monty's still number one, right? Monty's definitely number one. It took, a, it took a full hour just to get him on. We couldn't even – we started at a phone. We went to a computer. We went to an iPad. He couldn't even figure out how to get the camera on. So we – we literally had to like but you know what? fly to Florida to get them on. Hey, that's the only thing in the world he can do. He can do, he can unite people. He can make people smile. He can make people laugh. He can play golf, tennis, basketball, <laughs> football, you name baseball. He can do it all. So that's the one thing that Monty can't do. And uh, I think that's okay. Yeah. Well, you're, you're definitely, you're definitely better than him so far. You're definitely better than him at technology so far. So, we are predominantly a basketball podcast, but we're going to kick into, we're going to do some baseball stuff. Obviously we know your passion for, for basketball and the other sports. So we'll dip in that as well. So my first question is, and obviously I've heard the story. Other people may not have heard the story. Where did your love for NC state really start? Because I want hands down. I'm telling everybody right now, there is nobody that loves NC state more than this guy. Where did that passion start? Well, I grew up Scott about 20, miles from the nearest city and this is a small city rocky mountain north carolina so it's 50 years ago right 50 years ago maybe 55 years ago let's say it's a small farming community everybody farms that's all there is right nobody goes to what we call town nobody goes to the city of rocky mountain you eat every meal at the kitchen table uh either yours or friends like i might go i just walk into your house and show up for what we call supper you know and i just sit down and eat with you and so back then they had country stores, which was really a grocery store. All the farmers come in for lunch at the country store uh, to get a to get a Pepsi or uh, and a pack of peanuts at, at break or whatever mm-hmm. they do. And everybody sits around a cold stove and they talk a little bit of politics, which they could care less about. And then they talk sports. And there were only two schools at the time that drew any conversation, and that was State in North Carolina. Fortunately for me, I grew up in a predominantly NC State community, NC mm-hmm. State fan base. Everybody loved NC State. Everybody had the same values. And I've been an NC State fan since I was probably five or six years old, whenever I knew what a sport was. There you go. So I remember hearing the story from you. Uh, whether or not we're allowed to say it is another thing. So you could tell me if we don't want to say it. So tell me, there was a story you told me about you and maybe a friend that took you down to Hillsborough Street after they had won the national championship. Uh, g- give me kind of the background of that. Well, this is 1974, Monty Tao. He's, there you go. He's always been my hero. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're, we're close in age. We call each other twin because a lot of people say we uh, look alike because I think height and whatever age. But uh, uh, like I say, small town. 
I was national championship 74. I was 18 years old. Okay. And uh, they won the national championship. I'm so excited. My dad's so excited. Matter of fact, we had to get everybody like we got behind in the one game. So we sent my mama back to the bedroom because she hadn't watched the other games with us. I mean, me and my dad were going crazy. The whole community is going crazy. And I wanted to drive to Raleigh for the celebration. Mm-hmm. And my dad says, you've lost your mind, right? So we had one friend, Ransom Jernigan, who was my best friend, ironically, uh, 15, 20 years older than me. And my dad's best friend, 15, 20 years old, younger than my dad. But he's yeah. both our friends. He's a big farmer in the community. And I, I you know, I worshiped the ground he walked on. So Ransom called and said, Jack, my dad, can I take Elliot to uh, Raleigh with me? So me and Ransom get in the car. We drive to Hillsborough Street, and we have the time of our life. It was it was just so much fun. I can only imagine, especially, uh, you know, back then when they're winning national championships. And, it, I mean, NC State is literally the cream of the crop. So I couldn't imagine being on Hillsborough and just enjoying that experience. I, I can only dream of it. So – Kind of talk about your journey uh, of becoming a head coach. What what kind of clicked in your mind and said, you know, I kind of want to I want to coach baseball for a living. What kind of go through that journey and what made you decide to do that? Oh, Lord, it's it's a long, long. And, and I was playing semi pro baseball. So let's not confuse it. Professional baseball. <laughs> a lot. That's what they played back where I grew up. Because a lot of people didn't even go to college. Some people didn't graduate from high school. So you had a semi pro league which was made up of people in towns. And we played on uh, Saturday to Sunday, sometimes a Wednesday night or something. And, uh, and they called it semi-pro baseball. And uh, so I was on that team for a long time. And I was trying to make a living. And I knew I didn't want to farm. had no idea what I wanted to do. I tried the banking business. It was, I, I, I was bored stiff, right? I was like yeah. bored stiff, And my boss knew it. I tried the insurance business, you know what I'm saying? And I hated picking up the phone to call Scott Woods. Say, Scott, it's Elliot. How about if I come over and talk to you about some insurance, right? Just what Scott wants, right? So I yeah. couldn't do that the day. And uh, I actually went to an insurance school down in uh, Tampa, Florida. And at the bar that night, I bumped into the manager of the Fort Lauderdale uh, Yankee team and mm-hmm. uh, A-ball. And we, we hit it off. And... Uh, so I went and traveled with them for a couple of weekends, took BP, took infill. Obviously, I couldn't play, dressed out. And I'm like, I got to get out of the insurance business. So I went back and got out of the insurance business the next day, started coaching at Division Three North Carolina Wesleyan uh-huh. and uh, for a legend named Tony Guzzo. And I followed Coach Guzzo to Virginia Commonwealth University, where he became the head coach there. And uh, that's where I developed a relationship with Tubby Smith. Well, I saw Tubby the other day at a golf tournament, and I hadn't seen him since VCU. And I think he's one of the most honorable, uh, best people in your business, the basketball business. I really like Coach Smith. And so I did that. Then I went to William & Mary as an assistant for a couple of years, Lewisburg Junior College, where I worked for the Hall of Famer, Russ Frazier, who turned 90 the other day, and he's still doing great. And I got a lot, a lot of – Coach Frazier gave me a lot of responsibility and really gave me the confidence that I could coach. And then Ray Tanner hired me on his first staff when he took over for the legendary coach Sam Esposito here at NC State. And uh, Valvano and Coach Esposito got me a job at New Mexico State as a head coach. And uh, they, in a meeting in Coach V's office, 
for 30 minutes, gave me the confidence that I could go somehow make this thing work. And I went to New Mexico for eight years. And then when Coach Tanner went to uh, South Carolina, then I was fortunate enough that Les Robinson, another basketball legend and sports yeah. legend here at NC State, uh, saw fit to uh, give me an opportunity to come here and uh, lead a program that I'm so much in love with and feel such a responsibility uh, for carrying on for two, like I say, legendary coaches and Coach Sam Esposito and Ray Tanner. So it's, it's safe to say NC State's glad that even though it may have been a long journey that you ended up at, at NC State. So it's, it's definitely worked out for all the fan base, that's for sure. So I do remember you saying something. We were at dinner one night, and you said something about Coach Valvano and uh, who was it? Was it Coach Esposito? We're sitting yes. in there. Yeah. And, and as soon as you left, they kind of looked at each other and said, that guy has no chance at, at New Mexico. Kind of give that story as well. Well, Mario Mocha, who is the athletic director, ironically, at uh, New Mexico State. Now, he's a uh, Hall of Fame player there. I, uh, he, I was coaching a summer league team uh, in the Waynesboro, Virginia. We won the league. We went down to boardwalk and baseball in Orlando, Florida. It's been like four or five days playing the Cape Cod and other leagues and the All-Stars, and I was coaching that team. And Mario wanted me to come be the head coach at New Mexico State because they didn't have a coach. And they'd had a coach every year for like the last four years. They were getting ready to drop the program. So Mario yeah. wanted me to come to New Mexico State. He had it all set up, and I had never heard of New Mexico State. I'd never heard of New Mexico. I was a country. <laughs> I, I couldn't name probably but 30 of the 50 states. And uh, I – but long story short, Coach Guzzo said, hey, let's give him a call. They wanted to interview me. And Coach Valvano and Esposito got me the job over the phone. I didn't even take a visit. That's how desperate they were for a coach. And uh, I, uh, I went in V's office with Espo. And for 30 minutes, they told me how prepared I was because I knew I wasn't. And <laughs> I walked out feeling like Joe Torrey or, you know, Jimmy Leland. I walked out feeling like uh, – the greatest manager in the world. And uh, years later, Coach Esposito said, you know, Elliot, when you walked out with your chest out like Chuck Amato and you thought you could really go do this thing at New Mexico State, he said, V looked at me and said, he ain't got a chance in hell. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, that, and had not they built me up, which shows what confidence can do for a player. So as a yeah. coach, I remember that today. You've got to give a player confidence. And I remember uh, – uh, Chris Corciani telling me sometimes if he was missing shots or Rodney would tell me the great, I guess, Scott Wood and Rodney Moreau, the great two uh, shot makers in NC State history. And uh, Rodney or, or Chris would tell me when they were missing shots in the game, V would just in the huddle, keep shooting, keep shooting. Yeah. You're going to make the next one. You're great. So as coaches uh, give players confidence to go out and, and perform, that's what they did for me. And I've never forgot that. Yeah, so there's uh you've hit on so I've got three keys to being a good shooter. It's footwork, balance, and the last one and most important is confidence. So confidence goes a long way. If you believe you're good at something, you're probably gonna be pretty good at it. So I, I can't agree more there. Before we move on, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now's the, now it's the time because they're offering $250 match bonus for your first deposit. 
But what sets them apart is that they require just one play to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new Rush Pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. With basketball season tipping off, get into the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading BetRivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, so you've kind of had two of the greatest coaches of NC State history almost mentor you and Coach V and Coach Esposito. Kind of tell what that meant to have those two guys in your corner trying to help you and guide you to become a really great coach. Well, it was like, it was a different era back then. Like, seems like we have a lot of meetings now. There were no meetings back then. If there was a meeting, it was in Coach Esposito's office at 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning when everybody got to work. You'd have a cup of coffee and you go in Coach Espo's office and that's where you'd learn how to coach and that's where you'd learn how to all the intricacies of how you get the job done. It would be Bob Guzzo. Think about the legends in that office. And I'd just sit there. And if I ever said anything, Coach V would correct me and let me know I was to listen and not talk, right? So it was Coach Valvano, Coach Esposito, who everybody says is the godfather of all NC State athletics. He was the assistant coach for Coach Sloan on the national championship team. Monty says he never would have played without Coach Esposito telling Coach Sloan that the midget can really play, right? That's what Monty says. (laughs) Coach Esposito said, hey, Norm, you better watch the midget. He can really play. And so everybody owes a debt of gratitude to Coach uh, Esposito, including myself, Ray Tanner, George Tarantini. Bob Guzzo was his office mate. You know, they were in the same office. We would all meet down there every morning. Frank Whedon would walk in. And that's where you'd learn everything about coaching. Uh, I miss those days. I wish those days still existed because the mentorship and what you learned, if you would listen and pay attention. And I was fortunate enough to be around those great coaches. And like I said, Coach Guzzo, uh, so many great coaches, Tarantini and uh, Richard Sykes. And you learn so much from so many people. Uh, uh, Kay Yao, you know, I was on the same hall with Kay Yao. And I learned so much from her and, you know, and the great coaches through time, Herb Sendak, you know, yep. Michael Kane, like I said, Coach Robinson, Les Robinson, who hired me. It was a mentorship completely. Everybody mentored everybody. And so that's my probably any success I've had is the good fortune I've had to be around people that mentored me, Chuck Amato. Chuck Amato, Bob Guzzo, yeah. those guys, uh, and still today, I still keep in touch with Bob Guzzo and Chuck Amato a lot, and uh, I still rehear the words of Coach V and George Tarantini and Coach Esposito today. The things I do today are things that they taught me yeah. in the past, and uh, um, I'll never forget it, and I'll always be, cherish it, and I'll always know that any small successes that I've been able to share are because of the people that came before me. Yeah. And I think too, that that's a lot of things that make a great coach. And one of the things that I've learned is it's, it's not solely, you know, a one track mind. It's you've been around so many great people, you know, the K Yow's, you know, the Espos, the Jimmy V's, and you're able to take all the things that really made them successful and implement it into your coaching style and kind of use it on the baseball world. And I think that's one of the things that when I've had really, really good coaches, 
it's kind of hearing them and hearing their mentorship. It doesn't come from necessarily one guy or two guys. They're able to pick the brains and absorb almost like a sponge all the great things that they've learned over the years and implement. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a, a basketball football coach for a baseball coach to be great. It's, it's all the same realm. You got to, it's kind of like you said, you got to give the players confidence. You know, it's kind of coaching them up. Obviously you have the tools to be a great baseball player, but you also got to be able to lead and coach them that you can kind of grab things from other sports, not necessarily just from baseball. So that's, that's awesome to hear you say that. So one of the great experiences uh, of my NC state history was uh, in 2013. Uh, we had a guy by the name of Carlos uh, Trey, Brett, there, there was a few of them. And it was one of the first times that we had been back to Omaha in quite some time. Kind of touch on that 2013 team and what that kind of meant for the program moving forward. Well, that 20, like this program has been so great for so many years. And like I said, Coach Esposito built the program. Mm -hmm. Coach Tanner got it going at, a, at another level because they had more teams in the conference and everything yep. changed nationally and, and within the conference so coach tanner kept it at the top of the conference and then i came along and the conference once again expanded and things became different and all this kind of stuff and programs kept you know building you know bigger and better yep. and so it, it became difficult there in recruiting and, and and keeping the program where it was but we were fortunate enough and it goes back to recruiting you know it goes back to coach hart and I've had some great recruiters here. Billy Best, who's now with the Atlanta Braves, and I'm sure he's enjoying the Braves' success in the postseason here. And uh, uh, Billy Jones. And then Chris Hart comes in. And Chris Hart comes in 18 years ago, and I think he really stabilized everything, and he really helped take this program to another level, in my opinion, with the recruits. He was able to get here despite the challenges of the new stadiums and the bigger stadiums and the, all this kind of stuff. Chris Hart did an unbelievable job. I still, uh, I think all of us should owe him a big debt of gratitude. He brought in Carlos. He brought in Trey. And Tom Holiday, you know, the legendary Tom Holiday, was, yep. who was here for years, he helped bring in Carlos as well. And uh, But that recruiting class was unbelievable. And Brad Austin, who's coaching with us today, he just left the Washington Nationals to come back and coach here at NC State. And he was afraid to go tell the manager what he was going to do. And all the hitting coaches and assistant coaches with the Washington Nationals, they said, are you crazy? Have you got a chance to go back and coach at where you played in college baseball, the way yeah. college is now? You should jump at the chance. So we were fortunate enough to get Brett Austin back here uh, a couple months ago. And uh, so that class is unbelievable. Uh, Carl is finishing top three for national player of the year as a freshman, Trey Turner. Yeah. Everybody knows his success story. They're playing game five against the Giants tonight. Yeah. And he, he's just his, – his uh, success and his fame has really jumped off the, the billboard, so to speak. And he uh, – but we had great players. Logan Ratledge, Jake Fincher. We had so many great players on that team. And that team really was very, very talented and fortunate enough to go to Omaha. And I think with a – uh, I still say there was a brick there that I found when we went back in 2021. There was a brick uh, there. It's about that big at the bottom of a pad behind home plate. And yeah. somehow the ball hit that brick and ricocheted to home plate. Or I still think we beat UCLA. And I think we win the national championship. But you always think you're going to win it when you don't get to play it out. 
And But that was a magical team in itself. And those players have gone on to have such great success in professional baseball and life as well. Yeah, no, I, and that's one of the the things looking back. I mean, I was fortunate enough to go to, you know, two NCAA tournaments, a Sweet 16, had some good ACC runs. And that was that was a lot of fun for me, just kind of enjoying that experience. I remember uh, one of the kids, it might have been, was it TCU? Who was the Texas team we played? They kind of gave us a run. Uh, I don't know if it was Super Regional or the Regional. But he in 13, in 13 rice, it was rice. It was rice. That is exactly who it was. Me and this kid got into a beef on Twitter because I said something about him. And all I remember is all these NC State fans coming to him my, my, like to help me out. So I'm glad we ended up beating them because it'll look really bad when I was talking smack to some rice guys. So yeah, I'm glad I we ended up getting through that. Like 17 innings or something. The game yep. had a power rain delay. That was the legendary Wayne Graham coaching that team. And ironically, we went to Omaha last year. I looked up having coffee one morning and somebody tapped me on the shoulder. It was Wayne Graham. And he yep. sat and we had a conversation for like, he, he wrote me a nice letter to let me know how proud he was that I was still coaching because he coached forever. And he did a lot for our profession and a lot for our sport and yep. uh, so Wayne Graham and Rice. Yep. That's awesome. So we're going to move on kind of to this year's past team. Um, what was so special about that run. And I can't, I think this kind of goes into the question of, uh, and this kind of translates to, to all the sports at NC State. This team here, and I've, I've said it before, it's, um, you know, the, the good teams that I've had, they don't, they don't care about their individual success. They, I know a guy has my back. I know a guy cares about my well-being more than his. And, and that, to me, has always made a great team. And I think it's very similar for baseball as well. You got to, you know, it's hard to sit on the bench and really cheer for someone else's successes and wait for your turn. But that's what really, really makes a good team. Talk about the Pat, this year's past team and what made them such a good team. Well, Scott, you're exactly right. What you said, I've said that to our team this year because we have a lot of players this year and a lot of new players and they all mm -hmm. want to play. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Everybody wants to bat third and play shortstop. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and you want your success and you can't really see how this guy may be better than you. And it's how those players handle it. So one, the, that last year's club was a small club. We didn't have many players. Matter of fact, last two months, matter of fact, Austin Murr's favorite statement, the kid we had from Minnesota, who's a great player, our, our gold glove first baseman, didn't make an error for two years. How about that? Uh, phenomenal player. And uh, he said, we're nine players from nine states. And I didn't realize that, but we played the last two months, the same nine players from nine different states. And that's <laughs> who we were. And so every day you came, uh, you didn't feel the pressure. I have to perform or I'm not in the lineup. But it's how those players, it's how the D'Angelo Giles, Noah Souls, it's how those players, Danny Carnazzo, how those players handled not playing but yeah. supporting our team and being ready if needed. Cause obviously they were all needed in that pack 13 game, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, Sam Highfield looks up and he's at first base. Austin Murr had to go to left field. I mean, uh, D'Angelo Giles is playing third base and got the only RBI in that game off, off rocker. Uh, so that was the strength of that team last year. And they loved yeah. one another. A lot of those guys had been together for three, four years and it built, such a relationship with each other because you know the strength of a team they love their school 
and they all yeah. want to come back. So I know they love their school. That's the thing I'm most proud of. Trey Turner putting on that headset, you know, the, the thing when they had the champagne party when he, when he won the World Series with the Washington Nationals. They still love their school. Dalton yeah. Feeney from North Dakota loves NC State. I mean, he pulls for him in football, basketball. He watches every game when he's in North Dakota now if his school's playing. So they build that relationship, and you hope they play for their coaching staff because they like playing for them. There's been a trust and a relationship. You hope to have that. But players really play for each other. They yep. win for one another. They build a bond that is so close they can overcome anything, such as a 21-2 drubbing at Arkansas in front of 12,000 fans yelling, uh, well, pig suey or something every time yeah. they score. And uh, when you overcome that, it's not coaching. It's not the fan base. It's the camaraderie and the bond that you have with each other and the confidence that you feed, out from, feed off from one another. And that's what last year's team had. They were as special a group as I've ever coached. And they were very similar to the first team I had here, which, again, was a small number of players who were great players. Luis Figueroa brought his family here from Guatemala uh, yesterday, and he played first base on that magical team my first year, and he wanted his family to meet me. We went out to dinner last night to the players' retreat and just had a ball, and we talked about that special camaraderie of that team my first year here, and it really reminds me of last year's ball club. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things, too, that makes, you know – Playing a sport and being at NC State so special is, for example, my wife played softball. Uh, you know, the, the other day at the football game, I'm running around with Andrew Simpson. Like, it's just, it's such a tight-knit group that, you know, you establish that bond with all the, I mean, you're always together. I mean, obviously, you're going to have that connection to your sport. But, you know, I had study halls with Andrew Simpson with Ashley. Shout out to Ashley Turlington, who was our tutor for, I mean, literally, you know, five hours a week. I mean, we were together. So it's just kind of that NC state connection and the athletes just always being together and having that same, you know, goal of trying to strive to be the best they can be and try and help their team win kind of like you've mentioned. And, and then, you know, you leave and it's, it's all about, you know, coming back. KB said it the other day, uh, equipment manager for NC state basketball, been there forever. He said, Cause I was kind of asking him, I was like, you know, KB, how long you got? You know, I was, I was curious, like how long you plan on hanging around? And he's like, you know, he's like, I'm not sure about that. But he said the one thing that he's enjoyed, it's not necessarily the end season moments. Like he loved going to the tournament. He loved all that. His favorite thing is seeing NC state alumni come back, grow as men, have family and seeing them grow and seeing the impact, you know, that NC state had on their lives and, you know, now they've become, you know, great fathers, great, great mothers, great wives, great husbands. And that's the one thing that I've, you know, talking with a lot of people and a lot of coaches is, you know, end season is great. Obviously, you want success. Like, you got to have success. That's, that's the job. But at the end of the day, you know, you're also grooming them to become men, to become women, to send them out to the real world, you know, become really good people. Uh, and that's one of the things that I've slowly learned about NC State is that it's, you know, it is about sports and it is about winning. Like it, it is, but at the end of the day, NC State does a really good job of grooming them to become, you know, at that next level. Cause you know, sports lasts for, so, I mean, I played eight years professional basketball. It only lasts for so long. And someday you're going to have to give it up. So 
you got to become a good dad. You got to become a, a good husband. So uh, that's one of the things that NC State's really taught me. And I'm thankful, you know, being around guys like you, Monty Taos, uh, Bobby Lutz's, the guys, KB's, the guys that have really kind of influenced me to become a better man and strive to not only, you know, be a basketball player, but, you know, a good person as well. So I, I thank you for that. So you're, you're mentioning some good names, I'll tell you. And you, I, I just have to take this time. When you say KB, <laughs> you know, the legendary Kurt Brown father time, if you want to call him that. Yeah. Um, and D.D. Hoggard from football. They are the two people here in my 25 years and my year as an assistant that to me epitomize exactly what you talk about. Yeah, they love the moments. They love the special moments. But they love seeing, as I do, the alumni come back from all sports. You know, yep. the relationship yep. I have with KB and, and Dee Hoggard is so special. And the relationship they have with former players is probably better than probably most of the coaches because people really love those guys because they know how much they care about them as people. And uh, it's exactly right. You think about our friendship. Our friendship was probably spawned. Like I went to as many basketball practices as I could. I got yep. as many football practices as I can. And I don't care about the X's and O's. I don't care about boxing out. I don't care about screens and pick and rolls. I could care less. <laughs> I want to see how your coach and your assistant coaches coach you and coach your team and try to build a team. I want to see how the football coaches treat their players and how they're trying to build a team. Cause there's something uh, either subliminally or that I could notice that might make me a better coach. And that goes back to that mentorship that I miss so much we have in my early years. And I, so I, the, the, one of the best things that happened to me, and I think you tweeted this out. Somebody said you said something about it, but when I came back from the uh, USA, we played our last game and y'all had a night before I couldn't go to, and I called y'all and we all talked when I came back and y'all all came and probably stopped practice and, hugged me and and then Jordan Collins wanted me to come talk to the team. These yeah. are guys, every one of you guys, I was at so many practices watching y'all sweat and play and got to love you guys because I could see you in a different light and coaching you. And yeah. our relationship became so close. You know, sitting there talking to all those guys and see who they were now. Um, yep. Richard Howell, how he's how he is as a person, as a father and yep. just talking to Richard for a while and his travels over in Israel and wherever he played. Those are the, is what KB talks about. Those are the special moments and the special times that we reflect on as coaches. Exactly. So that's, we're going to kind of, you kind of got into a little bit of my, my next part of it. So we're going to move into the basketball stage of it a little bit. Talk about always being at the, at the Dale. Um, you know, you mentioned going out to, you know, Carter Finley in the, in the practice facility with football and just learning from, you know, the coaches. What sparked that love for basketball that you really, you know, started to enjoy it and become a fan? Well, basketball is how everybody in my age and probably, you know, further along, but it, that's how you became an NC State fan. That's how you decided yeah. who you were being was basketball. This has always been a basketball school. It's always been basketball first. Uh, basketball, nobody picks to be an NC State fan because of NC State baseball. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so everybody forged their union with their school based on basketball. And uh, uh, 
and mine fortunately was NC State. And uh, so I just always had a great love affair. And when, when we dressed at Reynolds Coliseum, and our locker room was Reynolds Coliseum, it was right beside basketball. And I was go, I would always go in and talk to those players uh, and build relationships with them because I'm not coaching them. So you can build a almost a, a more relaxed relationship. They can be more themselves around you than maybe they are around their coach themselves. And uh, so basketball has always been my sport here. And mm-hmm. uh, but I love football as well. I, I love, I always said, I, I think I should have been a football coach. I love, I think the difference you can make in games uh, sometimes as a football coach and a baseball coach, it's all about practice yeah. during the game. You better let them play, you know, yeah. but as a football coach, I almost feel like we can make adjustments and things, which I watch V doing basketball. The, the, the great thing about being here for a year with Valvano is his preparation. After every game, he would go to his office and stay there till no less than three o'clock in the morning preparing for the next game. And he allowed me to be in there for that. Partly because I went to Amedio's and Chargrill and brought food back with Derek <laughs> Whitberg. So that's partly how I got to be in there. But I got to learn. And sometimes we'd be in there when the sun came up as he's preparing for the next game. And so I love basketball. It's, it's always been a thrill of mine. But people my age and even younger, basketball is probably what endured them, endeared them to NC State in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm going to give my my TBT story. So we've already touched on it a little bit and I've already, I've already said my story on another podcast. So it's already no, no knowledge. Um, so it's kind of like he said, so we're, we're just stretching, we're stretching, getting loose uh, to go through practice for the TBT for that million dollar take all tournament that didn't end up great for us, but it's okay. And all of a sudden coach comes in team USA uniform and everything just finished is a game, right? Just finished up from a game uh, comes in and, and, we're all stretching, getting ready, and we all, everybody stops. And I mean, this isn't like a handshake, good to see you. This is everybody stops, goes and gives Coach Avon a hug. Like this isn't, this isn't, you know, a handshake guy. Everybody goes and gives him a hug. Um, and I think that just kind of speaks volumes about what Coach Avent means, not as a baseball coach, but as that mentor, as that, you know, person that can can kind of teach us and and what you've meant to not only just the baseball side of it, but the basketball side of it. And then we're sitting there, we're playing. Uh, Ashley Alfin was there. I won't, I'm not going to mention the other one because I don't, I don't want to get consent. So there was a, another big NC State alumni there with, with his son. And uh, we're literally playing five on five. Like you, you, it's Ashley, and then them just sitting there talking. Um, and we're playing five on five. And all of a sudden I'm looking over there and you start to take off your Jersey. And I'm like, okay, what's going on over here. I'm, t- I'm starting to get a little interested. So then I finally come out cause I'm old and don't need to be playing, you know, practicing for an hour. And, uh, you had taken off, uh, at this time said bye, taken off. And I sit with Ashton. I was like, what was coach doing with his, with his uniform? And you had given the uniform to the 12 year old, uh, 12 year old boy. And you had never met him. At the time, you didn't know who it was. You'd, that'd been the first time you had been introduced, and and then go out to the car and you give them some more Team USA stuff from the car. And you know, I I, I look at this and I kind of tell everybody, you know, when when NC State baseball gets brought up and and Coach Avent, and I'm like, it's it's so much bigger than than baseball. Like the the influence that you have, you 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 
to me, I mean, that's a Team USA jersey. I get that there might be, you know, two or three at the house already, but that's that's amazing to to just give that to someone that you you had just met and you have no idea because I went out to eat with them afterward. And, and the kid, the only thing he could talk about was how awesome that NC State jersey was. He wanted to go into the restaurant wearing it. And that's, that's one of the things that, you know, people, you know, outside of, of the athletics, they, they, they see, you know, they get to see this. They get to see the media side of it. They get to see, you know, every once in a while podcasts and, 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 you know, you as a coach will open up a little bit and me as a player will open up. But they don't see the, the behind the scenes thing. And that's one of the things for me, you know, when I get older and I'm, you know, you know, telling my kids stories about you and about, you know, the Monty Tows, it's about how good of a person you were and how you just loved NC State so much that you just gave, you know, a kid uh, your jersey that you just played in the game, you know, training the, all the guys to go play in the Olympics, uh, a jersey. So that was for me was an awesome moment to, to be able to kind of experience that and see how great of one a person you are and uh and just kind of learn the passion that you've always had for nc state well i appreciate you saying that and for you to even notice that because i you know i did a very uh uh like i didn't think anybody saw it i just i knew that jersey would mean so much to that kid and then when i and i we just finished our last game after we traveled through all the appalachian league it'd been a, a summer of traveling and i to show y'all how special y'all are, I haven't even been home yet. I've been going yep. for three weeks, hadn't <laughs> even been home yet. And the first place I went was the Dell Center to see y'all. That's how special yep. y'all are as players and what y'all mean to me, right? So that man and his son happened to be there, and Ashley introduces us. And uh, he said something about the kid loved baseball. And, you know, yeah. he thought it was cool that I was a USA coach, but yet he knew I was an NC State baseball coach. And he loves baseball so it just kind of made sense that would mean so much more to him but when i got in the co car they when we left the hotel they loaded us with so much stuff they'd given us yeah. and i thought is this going to go home and sit in my closet or is this going to make a you know 12 year old uh kid smile i remember one time i went to see the rocky mountain leafs play uh in rocky mountain it's the biggest thing in the world i mean class a baseball rocky mount and yeah. i got a, a autographed baseball i won an uh, a raffle, an autographed baseball, the Detroit Tigers. I thought it was the greatest thing in my lifetime to win that baseball when I was probably his age. So, uh, and I think all the great uh, players that I got to witness, they've always given back in ways that people never know, whether it's an autograph, whether it's yeah. a smile, whether it's a high five. I've watched the great guys, Russell Wilson. I've yep. seen Russell Wilson sit there and sign autographs forever after a game uh, at Carter Finley. And so you, we, we always learn, whether you're learning from one of your players, uh, whatever. And, uh, but I appreciate you saying that because <laughs> it, I, it, was, it was neat. But the story I want to tell you is the reason after three and a half weeks on the road, before I went home, I stopped at the Dell Center to watch y'all practice. Tells you how much I think of every one of you players that was there that night. Uh, and play with the GBT because I, I wanted to see you guys. I miss you guys. I learned a lot from you and my relationship with yeah. all of y'all is very, very special. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you coming for sure. And that's, uh, that's one of the things my dad always told me, he kind of said, um, 
you know, one day, you know, cause I think it was after a game or something. And there's, there's a ton of people out and they wanted all wanted pictures. I didn't play very good. I think we might've lost. And my dad kind of looked at me. He said, uh, he said, do you ever get tired of it? And I said, you know, sometimes I do. And he's like, he's like, well, I'll tell you this. He's like, one day, no one will know who you are. He said, <laughs> you, you never know the impact that you will have on, you know, one of these kids. And to this day, I'll have, you know, I was out eating Mexican the other day. And all of a sudden, this, uh, this big, tall girl comes up to me. She's probably 16. So it made me feel a little old. She's like, I want to show you something. And I'm like, okay. And her and her dad come up and they show me a picture uh, that I took with her at a game uh, in pregame warmups. And they're like, you have no idea what this meant. Like she, she had put it on a wall, like all this stuff. And just kind of looking back on it, it's one of those things that you, you never really know the impact that you have, but like what you did just made the day of, of that kid. And, and just the little things like that. I mean, that's, that's worth it. And looking back on it, you know, that one day that my dad said, you know, remember, enjoy it because one day they, <laughs> they ain't going to remember you anymore. So, so enjoy the moments. That's one of the things. Yeah. Tell your dad, tell your dad, there are certain people like Scott Wood, they're always going to remember. I tell Chris Corciani <laughs> all the time, Chris, they don't remember you anymore. And yet we go out to dinner the other night and I'm kind of crowding the guy in a restaurant. We're waiting for our table at the yeah. bar and I'm crowding the guy. And I said, Hey, I, I apologize. I'm, I'm a little crowding a little bit. He said, that's okay. You got Chris Corciani with you. And I'm like, <laughs> and so even though I tell them they're going to forget him, they never do. And the greatest story I remember is me and speaking of Monty tower earlier on Monty and I and David Thompson are at a Panthers game and uh, Derek close scouts tickets. And we're going to be in his box and his, we get there early. We're just going to have fun. And walking into the Panthers game and going down on the field for a while, everywhere we went, the heads that turned, Monty said, hey, watch this. Let's step back a little bit. Just walk behind David and watch the heads turn. Like, is that David Thompson? Is that yeah. David? Like, he, you know, David is probably a couple years older than me, and he can't go anywhere. With So people like you, Scott, Chris Corciani, <laughs> Monty Tao, Tommy Burles and David Thompson, you're not going to be forgotten here at NC State. I promise you. You, hey, you'll be 60. You'll be my age, and they'll still say, "As Scott Wood, one of the best jump shooters we ever had." And by the way, in that practice at the Dell Center, the funniest thing is I'm sitting with Ashley, and you would take some of the craziest, wildest fall away jump shots, and he says, "Watch this." Every one of them went in that night. Oh, you remember that? <laughs> you never. It was unbelievable. And I'm just, I watched you for. So many years here, but here, you know, 10 years after you played, yeah, you, you can still hit that jump. What do you say? Balance, confidence, balance, and footwork, and confidence. I got there you it. go. If you got all three, you're going to be a great shooter. I can promise you that. So, anybody looking to be a great shooter, balance, got to be on balance, got to have confidence, you got to have great footwork. Now, to our next sponsor, need a local real estate agent? As we know, the real estate market is crazy right now. Maybe you have questions, or you just need an honest opinion from a trusted real estate professional to ensure your best interest is protected. Whether you're buying, selling, investing, call Reef Ivy at Dogwood Properties. For a seamless home buying and selling experience, give Reef a call. He's special to our audience, and if you're considering the possibility of buying or selling a home, call Reef at his personal cell number. It's 919-995-995. 3111. And again, that's 919-995-3111. He's the best in the triangle and a personal friend. 
please give call, give a call to Reef Ivy for any questions. Here we go to the next segment. Okay. This is, I, I do this every time. I've kind of changed the question since last year. One of them, one of them is the same. I always ask the same question. They're kind of fun questions. You can have fun with it. It's nothing, nothing too serious. So five, five questions to kind of, kind of end us. So the first question is you can have dinner with any two people alive or past that you would have dinner with any two. Uh, they would be my dad who mm -hmm. passed this January 30th and uh, Yogi Bear. I think, okay. uh, I think uh, if I could get me, me and my dad and Yogi Bear together for dinner, I think we'd have a ball. That'd be a good time. I can already tell you. So here's the next question. So the one go-to spot that I, I, I say near campus, so near campus. So we're talking, you know, maybe Western to Hillsborough, maybe a little bit Aiden Ferry. Um, best restaurant near campus so where would you go if you had a go-to restaurant i know this is hard and a lot of people don't like me asking it one place that huh. you had to pick well i went there last night it was gus guzzler and players retreat the pr yes uh i took the team before we went to the uh 13 uh super regional i believe before we went to the uh, world series or, or maybe um and uh but and i know you said one so sometimes when people say like Mark Packer asked me to name my Mount Rushmore and I gave him like five or six people and West Durham <laughs> say, no, you get four. Uh, Elliot, I know you don't know there's four presidents on Mount Rushmore, <laughs> but uh, I, I can't say the players retreat without saying uh, Mitch's tavern. Uh, Cause everybody, Mitch, that's where we went when we were in college and it's still here. Yeah. Mitch's tavern and, uh, and then Amedios, uh, yeah. which, you know, those three places, for me, are synonymous with NC State. Yeah, so I know it's definitely a hard question because I, I had, Courts did the same thing. He said he said Clues because Courts took me to Clues. He introduced me to Clues Cloney. And uh, there's just so many good ones. I mean, for oh me, my I God. grew up. Now I got four. I got Mount Rushmore. Clues is in there. Uh, Dan Clues is the best, and that is the best luck spot. Dan, you know, the chicken Philly, uh, everything he makes. Uh, yeah, I got the Mount Rushmore. Clues is in my Mount Rushmore. Courts is out. Right. There's there's a ton of good ones, that's for sure. Okay, so third question. It it might be an obvious one, it might not be. Your greatest basketball memory from NC State. Uh, it's it's got to be the 74. That, you know, that run to beat UCLA, who had won yeah. seven national championships in a row. The greatest of all time, probably John Wooden, you know what I'm saying? Um to beat they beat us by 18 in st louis in december in a game that was staged because we couldn't play for the national championship in 73 to beat ucla and that game is that in the overtime uh thing to beat maryland at 103 100 or something beat maryland the acc yeah. tournament final when only one team got to go it, it's got to be the 83 run was awesome too and, yeah and that's magical as well but 74 for me, uh, just the whole thing was unbelievable. You can't, you can't go wrong with that. Anytime there's a national championship involved, you, you can't go wrong with that. So what is the best advice you've ever received and by who? The best advice I probably ever received, uh, and I've had so much, like I said, I've been so fortunate, but we'll, 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 we'll keep it to coaching. And it was Coach Esposito. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and, uh, and Coach Valvano, I could give you many things they told me. Um, uh, Coach Valvano would always say, before you say and say, I could be wrong because you don't have to know all the answers like some people think. You don't have to know it all. So I could be wrong, but this is what I think. But Coach Esposito told me when I was an assistant for Ray Tanner, he said, Elliot, I want you to think like a head coach. So think about what Ray Tanner's got going on today. Think about all the things he has to deal with, whether it be scheduling or meetings he has to deal with or parents or players. Maybe there's some players that aren't happy that you can go solve that problem. I want you to think like a head coach every day mm-hmm. and what you can help Ray Tanner do, but you got to act like an assistant. You can't <laughs> act like you're the head coach. You can't like, you know, want to yeah. be there. You got to know your role, stay in your role. It's kind of like what you said about uh, players a while ago, accepting their role, but, you know, always think you're going to be the guy that plays, right? Yeah. Always yeah. Be, be that guy because you're going to wind up playing, whether it be through injury or whatever. But he told me, I'll never forget it. He said, think like a head coach, but act like an assistant. Yep. Yep. So I the, kind of building off that, and it's kind of funny you said that. So my mind that I received, I, I don't know if it was – it might've been coach Lutz. I, I say it to everybody. It's, I call it control what you can control. Um, you can control your work ethic. You can control being on time. You know, you can control your attitude. Uh, you can control being a good teammate. You can't control playing time. So uh, a lot of people get out there and then they, you know, they start blaming the coach. And my mindset was always just work harder, you know, just do what you can do. And if you, at the end of the day, you gave it your all, you know, so be it. So that's, that's kind of funny. You said that because it's kind of on the, the same part of it, especially that second part. So last question, your favorite memory as a coach. It's going to be a hard one. Favorite memory as a coach. I think it, I think it has to be um, that first year in Omaha. You talked about that 2013 when we beat Rice, and Brian yeah. Adams squeezes that ball in left field in a 17 inning uh, rain delayed. For yep. two hours, yet we come back. No, I, I got something better than that. How about that? That was a special moment. My special moment in sports was this, okay? We we go to Omaha. We have a great run. You know, we go to Louisiana Tech, great place to play. Yep. Great teams there. Louisiana Tech was awesome. Their crowd was unbelievable. Alabama was there. It was a great, great uh, uh, setup for a regional. And then we go to Arkansas and, and come back from that uh, disastrous first game and, and win the next two. Uh, we go to Omaha and we win that one nothing game against uh, Lighter. And yep. uh, we know we're, at that moment, we know we're going to win the national championship. There's nobody there that can, we, can beat us. You can see it in our players' eyes and we know. And then we get the, the news at 1.30 in the morning that I got to get all the players out of bed, get them in a room and give them the news of what was going on. And I can't even replay for anybody how disastrous that was. I can't, I can't share with you the hugs, the tears. I finally told my assistants, I just gave my head nod. Let's get out of here. Let's let the players grieve on their own. Sometimes it's easy to grieve without yeah. people standing over you. And we went outside and just waited for like 45 minutes and they stayed there and grieved and, and whatever. And uh, then they came out because I told them to handle it like men, uh, even though we think we were wrong we think it was a poor decision and how it was done was absolutely disastrous. Uh, yeah. but we told them to handle it. Your, your, your legend will be how you handle this. Not what actually happened. That will be what the story will be. So they came out and asked me permission. As I told them, I didn't want them to leave the hotel room. 
and uh, and the hotel. And they said, Coach, can we take one last walk to the stadium as a team? And I yeah. thought that was so respectful and so cool. And I said, yes. But so from 1.30 in the morning till we got off the bus at Dokeville at Dell Park, I never saw a player smile. Not once. I never saw any smiles. And when we came back to 2,000 people yeah. who had no idea what time we were going to get back, it was the most special moment that I've ever had at NC State as we walked on that field and people were up there cheering for these players and thanking these players. And I hear stories from like, you know, it wasn't like it was just college students out there. There were uh, uh, my college, uh, one of my college buddies, Anthony Blackman, I was with the Miracle League. I went to a gala yeah. for the Miracle League, which is such a wonderful organization the other night. And he was there. Tony Withers was there who helped start the Miracle League with Robin Rose. The people that were at that event that night, and for the first time, Scott, for the first time since 1.30 in the morning when I had to deliver the news about our fate, uh, the first time I saw our players smile yeah. and start to heal. And that was my most special moment by far since my wonderful return to NC State. Well, that's uh, that's great. So that's pretty much it. But I do have to I have to ask one more because I had I, I posted on Twitter. I was like, any questions for Coach Avent? And then the one um, that I continuously got that I got to ask is what's the update on the stadium? Well, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, ben, uh, ben Broussard, head of the Wolfpack Club, yep. Blue Corps athletic director. We've had many conversations and many meetings on this. And uh, they are committed to uh, making this thing happen. Hopefully, we'll have an announcement sometime in the near future mm-hmm. about a fundraising campaign. We're out currently right now fundraising money for the renovation of Doug Phil at Dell Park. It's going to be beautiful. We've got drawings. We've got renderings. Uh, uh, Boo has, has hired a firm who has done a marvelous job at putting up something that we all can be very, very proud of. And I'm talking yeah. about form, the, the, the former players that keep up with this program right now, the way this school and this program is still followed by Mike Colwell and Alex Cheek from the 68 World Series team, Francis Combs, Freddie Combs, uh, all these guys. Uh, Buddy Green went out to Arkansas, had the World Series with us, former football coach here and defensive coordinator at Navy for all the years. Uh, the way – this program is still followed and still cared about yep. that. Uh, I think they're going to be uh, really tickled with what we're going to put in place here. And hopefully we can announce it soon. And we're currently fundraising uh, money so we can announce this campaign to renovate dope field at Dell park and Scott, it's going to be awesome. And well, you guys, service, former players, current players, future players, this program deserves it. I'm really, uh, I'm really proud of what coach Esposito built. Ray Tanner took to a different level and then what I've maintained uh, through these years, the consistency of this program, the respect of this program yep. and how our pray- players have carried themselves both on and off the field uh, has been a proud, proud uh, moment for me to reflect on and just how our players uh, conduct themselves. Well, you guys, you guys deserve it. And I know a lot of, a lot of fans out there don't even fully you know, realize that 
when you're getting recruited, facilities is a big deal. Like, I, I mean, NC State basketball to me, I've, I've been to, I've been to over 14 NBA facilities and, and done workouts there. NC State basketball, when I was first coming out, this is 10 years ago, had one of the best basketball facilities out there. And it's it's hard to it's hard to recruit with, you know, you got you got the Alabamas, the LSUs and these some of these programs that just have some, I mean, major league baseball style uh, facilities. So you guys you guys definitely deserve it. To, and it just shows, um, you know, obviously, obviously we've got good facilities, but not, you know, ideal uh, for for what is going on now that you guys are able to recruit, you guys are able to have you know, the success you guys have, even though you don't have, you know, what it necessarily an LSU or, or an Alabama has. So uh, kudos to you guys. And I just want to thank you for, for coming on the show. I know this is one of the ones that I definitely wanted to do. It's not necessarily all basketball, but, you know, everything that's been going on with, with the team of last year, uh, you know, you can arguably say that, you know, the national championship teams is, is what people remember NC State for. But I'm going to tell you right now from what I've learned and, and, and how I feel, NC State has been putting back on the map, not because of a basketball program or any other program. It's, it's because of NC State bas baseball and, and what you guys have done with uh, the College World Series and kind of obviously how it all went down. And, you know, obviously now's the time to act on it. And you guys you guys have, have blown up NC State in, in ways we can't ever imagine. And it's safe to say, and you kind of said it, I, I think uh, if, if we get one good break, whether it's 2013 or, or, or this past year, we've got uh, a couple of national championships. And there's no doubt in my mind about that. And I know there's no doubt in your mind. So uh, I appreciate you coming on and, and taking the time out of your morning to, to, to spend some time with me. Hey, Scott. This has been my ple pleasure, my privilege. Trust me, seeing your face, seeing your smile, which I've, your smile, it's always been on your face. Like, it's not just <laughs> being a good player. It's how much fun you have at playing, and you always had fun. And that's yeah. what sometimes we forget because it's so hard. And yep. uh, you always had fun, which made it fun for your teammates. You were a great teammate, and you made your players around you better how you approach the game. So it's good seeing your face, seeing that smile, hearing your voice. And I love seeing that Jersey behind you, which <laughs> well, gives I, got, me I got my wife's too. So I can't forget about her. Okay. I didn't my see big that. head just covers it. Don't get me in trouble with her. I see hers now, <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's awesome. It's been fun talking to you. It's always fun when I'm around you and thanks for having me on. No, I, I appreciate it. Um, anytime we can have an NC state legend on here is, is, is my treat. So Obviously, NC State basketball is, is firing up. Uh, uh, this will be released a little bit later. So prime time. We'll have that uh, fired up in, in, in the next episode. Uh, I'm trying to get Richard Howell on here. So we're, we're slowly working. We'll get back into this basketball season. But I appreciate you coming on. Uh, all the things that you've done for NC State. All the people that, you know, obviously – not necessarily just the baseball program, but all the programs you've had a big impact on their lives. We appreciate it. Your love for NC state is contagious. And it, it, you know, it's, it's carried on to me and my family. My daughter's named Raleigh uh, because of NC state. So uh, I appreciate all that and, and go pack. Go pack. See you, Scott. Thank you. Bye.